0: Yes, we have been talking about uh, prayer and I just appreciate uh, everyone being here, journeying with us. It's great to hear the stories around the church of prayer and the 21 days and people getting challenged uh, to return to prayer if that's been a problem or to go deeper in your prayer life and take it to another level uh, or even to pray in a different way. I've tried to bring this series to us, uh, not about just the mechanics of prayer, but different Prayers that we can actually pray. We've talked about three kinds of different or two kinds of prayers, and I'm going to talk about the third one today. So we've talked about simple prayers, was week one. And the simplicity of simple prayers is this: that you return to the beginning. It's just being a willing beginner or a willing novice. And it doesn't matter if you're a phenomenal deep prayer warrior, there will be times in your prayer life and your prayer journey where you just need to return. simple prayers learn to pray again find god like a little child again and that's the idea of just simple prayers and often they're literally just one line of prayers or short prayers that you might pray over and over and over and just meditate on and on and on we spoke about the prayer of the sinner oh god i am a sinner have mercy on me that's a prayer simple prayer and last week we spoke about relinquishment prayers and this is a tough one it's praying to just let things go and often this really boils down to praying to forgive others to forgive ourselves to let our dreams go to hand our career to God to let people go and controlling them and we looked at Jesus in Gethsemane and how he prayed this prayer of relinquishment right before he went to the cross not my will be done your will be done. That's really the ultimate prayer of relinquishment. We practiced this one yesterday as a family in our little um, prayer time for our little Sabbath day that we do on Saturdays, and it was was amazing. Just We talked about it with the kids, and then they all went around and prayed a little prayer of relinquishment. So simple. Even a child could do it. Even my five-year-old did it. My two-year-old didn't do it. She can't really talk yet. My five-year-old did it. I don't know why exactly, but Jed prayed that his anger, he could let go of his anger. So... I don't know what's going on there, I didn't even know he knew that word, but apparently he's an angry little boy and he let go of that yesterday, so we'll hand that over to God. (laughs) Today we want to talk about formation prayers, and the idea of a formation prayer, or praying in a way for formation, is that you pray in order to change. Can, can, Can we say that word together? It's a very scary, not popular word that people don't like to do, change. Can you say that maybe, change? Can can he get it out of you? (coughs) Change. This is a scary prayer. It's when you go into the place of prayer and spend time with God and pray in a way that you want to change, that you want to grow, that you want to mature. Richard Foster says that prayer changes things, people say. It also changes us. The latter goal is the more imperative. The primary purpose of prayer is to bring us into such a life of communion with the Father that by the power of the Spirit we are increasingly conformed to the image of the Son. This process of transformation is the sole focus of formation prayer. Now each week I've given you a Richard Foster quote because I've taken my inspiration from his book, which is down the bottom of your slide there, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. If there's any book you want to read on prayer, I would encourage you to read this one. It's got 21 different ways to pray, and I found it very, very helpful when I read it a couple of years ago, and I've taken my inspiration from there. So as Foster is saying, the idea of formation prayer is that we look to Jesus, he is the template of how to live, and then we pray to become like him. And this is the Christian life. It's moving from a sinner, a fallen human being with all of our selfishness and our problems and our reactions and our justifications and then over the journey, a very long journey, a very slow journey of following Jesus, we slowly form and change at the heart level, not just at the mind level or the action level but we change first and foremost at the heart level as we pray and spend time with God and we are conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. He is the picture of life to the full. He is the picture of human flourishing. He is the way that any human being would want to be, would want to live, would want to construct their life. So to pray is to change, to become like Jesus Christ. It's where we come to God in prayer, not so much as God help me, bless me, speak to me. It's not so much approaching God like that. With formation prayer, we come to God in a different way. God, teach me. We come to God as the teacher. Instruct me, train me, shape me. We come to God as the therapist. God, sort my brain out. Help me process my heart. Help me deal with the weeds and the junk in there so I can sort it out. We come to God as the Father. Father, show me how to live. Show me how to be a son, a daughter. Show me how you created human beings in the beginning without the distortion of sin and the distortion of all this human junky stuff. Show me the image of your son. Teach me to be a son just like your son, Jesus Christ. This is how we pray when we pray prayers of formation. Are you doing okay? Does anyone want to pray like this? Okay, this is my job to convince you today to pray in this way. On Thursday, uh, I went to a funeral. And sorry, I've been talking about funerals a lot lately, but uh, it was the funeral of Alan Rowe, so Scott's father. Scott's just sitting there in his super cool Volcom hoodie. And uh, Scott shared a brilliant thing about his father at the funeral. So Alan was 85, he'd had Alzheimer's for a while and he'd passed away a couple of weeks ago and the funeral was during the week. And he was a great man of God, Alan. He loved the Lord and you can see it in Scott and in the Rowe family. It was beautiful to be there at the funeral and see the heritage. Alan had four sons of which Scott was one and he was a journalist and a brilliant writer. And he actually wrote two books. I'm holding one of them here. He wrote two books. The other book that he wrote was called Miracle. And it was the story of one of his sons, so one of Scott's brothers, that actually had cancer as a child and overcame cancer and is still alive today. And he was there at the funeral. The second book that he wrote, uh, was called Sunrise, as in sun, S-O-N. And this is, get this, this is just a normal bloke, a normal follower of Jesus, a normal Christian like you and me. And he wrote a daily devotional for every day of the year, to read through the whole Bible in a year. Isn't that incredible? He didn't write it to make money. He didn't write it to sell it. He just wrote it to find out more of God and as part of his journey with God. And in the preface here, he writes this incredible line. It was a literary project at that stage, says Alan in his preface, born of a belief that it was God's will that I should write it, write this book. But the conviction later emerged in my mind that God was trying to write a living letter in me as a priority exercise with the book somewhat of secondary importance. This tended to give the book a better perspective in terms of time and meaning. If it took years in writing, no matter, God would do his work in me over those years and indeed it seems that any change to the stubborn human heart is always going to take time. I just sat at the funeral and Scott shared this about his father and I was like this is exactly what I'm preaching about on Sunday and I asked Scott if I could share and he was gracious enough to pass on the book. Alan set out to write a book about God, about theology, about reading through the Bible in a year. And he realized in the process that God turned it around on him. As he spent time with God, as he prayed over the scriptures, as he meditated, what should I write in this devotional? God did a number on him. God flipped it on him. And he realized that God was actually working in the deep recesses of his heart to do something. I want to share with you three formation prayers from the Bible today. The first one is in Ephesians 3, it's where Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. The second one is Jesus praying a formation prayer over his disciples. And the third one is King David, who was a king of Israel, a thousand years before Jesus came. So 3,000 years ago from us today, King David, his prayer of self-examination. Paul prays for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians three fourteen. He says, "'For this reason I kneel,' Before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Everyone say inside. Everyone say inner life. Everyone say inner being. You know, Jesus promised rest for your souls. Rest for your inner life, peace in your heart. Life is not about what you do, life is about who you become. The point of being a follower of Jesus is your character, not your competency. We can seek to grow on the outside or we can seek to grow on the inside. You pursue the outside, you pursue competency, you pursue human wisdom, you pursue doing stuff. The inside will always be a mystery. The inside will always be something that you don't know what's going on. There'll be restlessness and irritability. There's a better way to live, and that's actually to pursue the inside before the outside pursue character formation before competency in a job or some skill to pursue the inner life with God before being concerned of the outer life even if that's christian ministry in the outer to actually pursue the inner life you look at the life of jesus and he constantly draws away from crowds to work on his heart with god before he chooses his 12 disciples he goes away for a night of prayer to get his heart right to get anything out the wrong, selfish ambitions, wrong things. And he spends the night with God. So the next morning he comes out and he chooses his 12 disciples. But his heart is clean. His inner life is in the right position, the right place, so that his outer life of ministry is actually proceeding from his inner life of prayer. We think people experience our carefully constructed words and actions, the outer life. But actually, they experience the reality of our inner life leaking out all over them. I know, I know it's hard hearing this stuff, okay? It's like, it's kind of true, I suppose. But this is true. Be honest with me for a moment. We like to construct an image of ourselves or put forward something of ourselves... We're very concerned with how we appear on the outside, people like us, how we present ourselves. Do we know? Do we understand? Are we up with the times? But what actually eventually seeps out is your inner life. Even if you can hold it together for a decade or two, even if you're at the top of the pile in your business sector, even if you can hold your marriage together for a period of time, eventually what's on the inside will come to the outside. Nobody, no human has ever been able to avoid it. What's on the inside is our shadow. It's the little dark part of us that hides down there. It's the part of us that in Christian terms we might call the old nature, the unredeemed humanness, demonic powers, if you want to go that far. It's the shadow side of us. It's the bits that ooze out at the wrong time. The anger, the frustration. Why did I do that? What's in our inner life? It's the reality of our marriage. The reality of our singleness The reality of our sexuality, our vices, our impure thoughts, our self-criticism, it's all all in there. Our busyness, our irritability, our hurry, it's all deep within us and then it comes out in this schedule of overwhelm. uh, 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 uh. But it starts inside, it comes outside. We live from the inner life, inside to outside. We lead in church, we lead in our business, we lead in our family from the inner life. Whatever's deep in here is where our leadership comes from. We make decisions, ultimate decisions about belief, about money, about values from our inner life. It comes to our outer life. This is a famous proverb that sums this up well. Guard your heart above all else, for from it flows the wellsprings of life niv nlt for it determines the course of your life proverbs 4:23. 23 guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life what's in here is a prophetic voice of how your life will turn out in the future you can be a christian up here lots of people are christians up here they agree with the christian moral framework and believe that that's the right way to live they try to live that way many of us sit in church here and we believe you're probably here this morning because at some level you believe in your head and believing in your head and understanding your head is very important and I'm not downplaying that but something that's probably more important is our heart we might believe in our head that we're a Christian we might believe in the doctrines of Christianity but it's really our heart that follows Jesus To follow Jesus is very different than to believe a set of doctrines or theologies in your head. When people come to pray formation prayers, they pray those prayers because they want to follow Jesus in their heart. The reason why you don't pray or you pray but they're powerless religious rituals is maybe because you're praying from your head. You're praying because you should. Or you're not praying because it didn't work before and it doesn't make sense to you. Formation prayer is different. You come out of an authenticity in your heart to want to change, to want to follow Jesus. I'm going to give you one little stinging power line and then I'll promise I'll move on quickly. If you're too busy to deal with your heart and your inner life, you probably will find that you don't have much of a prayer life. If you're too busy to pray, I have to ask you the question. You need to sort this out between you and God. But if you're too busy to pray, you may even be too busy to follow Jesus. See what happens when you move it from the head? I believe the stuff and I do some Christian stuff. And you move it to the heart and it becomes, yeah, what's really going on in there? Am I really following him? I hope that encourages you. It's not meant to criticize you, but to encourage you to get real about your faith. What is shaping your heart? Let's just jump the next slide, sorry, Ruth, and we'll move to John 17. What is shaping your heart? Let's look at the second scripture here this morning, John 17. This one is Jesus praying now over his disciples. So here's the picture. Jesus is standing in front of his 12 disciples, but he's praying to God for them. And he says in verse 9, My prayer is not for the world but for those you have given me so the 12 in front of him and they're all listening okay it's about us because they belong to you jump to verse 12 during my time here I protected them by the power of the name you gave me I guarded them so that not one of them was lost except the one headed for the destruction as the scriptures foretold that was Judas then Jesus goes on now I am coming to you I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. The world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus is just about to go out of the world back to heaven but he's going to leave his disciples in the world To continue his work. So you've got the disciples in the world, but then you've got the world and the evil one. And the tough things of life and the trials and the tribulations and the temptations and all the obstacles. But Jesus isn't saying, hey God, I'm going to heaven, rescue these guys too. Let's all go have a party in heaven. He's saying, no, they're going to stay down here on the earth, but protect them while they're down here on the earth form them shape them work in their hearts you might be familiar with this scripture in romans 12 2 do not copy or do not conform any longer to the behaviors and the customs of this world but let god transform you into a new person by changing the way you think or renewing your mind spiritual formation is the process of following jesus that results in a lifestyle that's radically different from others. It's the whole idea you may have heard before of being in the world. Are you here in the world? Yes, you are. You're sitting here, standing here. We're on the earth. But not being of the world. So not being a part of the system of this world if you get that differentiation. You see, for most human beings, we're a fish in water. Does a fish know that it's wet? No. No. A fish swims in water and that's its world, that's its culture, that's its environment. It doesn't know that it's wet. A Christian or a follower of Jesus is like a fish in water that knows it's wet. We actually see our environment. We actually understand that we're in the world, but we're part of something bigger something greater, something that's moving forward. So Jesus prays this prayer over his disciples and guess what? He goes on in verse 21 and he says, I also pray this for those who will believe because of their message. Guess who that is? That's you and me. 2,000 years later, we believe because of these 12 disciples that Jesus prayed over and they went out and shared the gospel and now we are partakers of that same gospel. So this prayer in John 17 is over us as much as it was over them. Jesus is praying that for those who follow Jesus, let them understand the water that they swim in. Let them know that they're in the world, but they don't need to be a part of the worldly system. But this is not the way that it is for most of us. Most of us are formed and shaped by the world that we live in, and we we struggle to recognize the water that we're swimming in. This is a little praxis of formation for you, a little diagram of formation around unintentional spiritual formation. If you woke up this morning and you're alive, something is shaping you, something is forming you. When our spiritual formation, so our inner life, is formed and shaped unintentionally, we're It's the stories we believe, it's the habits we live by, it's the relationships that we have that form us and shape us. Unintentional spiritual formation is the water that we swim in, the culture that we live in, the Aussie culture, Western culture that we live in, the raging individualistic culture that we live in. This is the world that we live in. This is the water that we swim in. When we don't come to God in intentional prayers to form me and shape me from heaven through your word the bible guess what something else is shaping you so you have this inaccurate belief as christians sometimes that we kind of go and we do a bit of bible a bit of prayer a bit of church and you know we get a bit from god and then we kind of live our life and 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 we kind of immune to everything else that's going on it's actually not true at all you are being formed and shaped every minute of every day You are being discipled by something and someone every minute of every day. You are following something. And I mean that in a social media sense. I mean that in the discipleship sense. You are following a God, an idol, a higher power, a hope for the future. You are following something every minute of every day if you are alive and you are a human being. When we come to the place of prayer and pray formation prayers, we cut into this flow and stream of the world we live in and we pierce the atmosphere and begin to pray to a God who is not in the water that we're swimming in, a higher power that is God as we understand him through Jesus Christ. If we're not doing that in the place of prayer, then we're being shaped by the stories that we believe. Whatever habits have formed and just grown up over time, Your habits might be good habits in your mind, they might be bad habits. It doesn't matter, you've got habits. There's things you do, there's places you go, there's things you read, there's content you consume because of your habits. And they're often influenced by your relationships, the people that you want to hang out with, the people that you have common interests with, the people who you want to keep happy. These things affect you within the environments that we live in the environments of the places we go, the workplaces, the families, church, like this on a Sunday, these are all the different environments. Without intentional prayer, our inner formation becomes intention, unintentional. Sorry. Prayer requires intentionality. God will never force you to pray, but I will go there and cry out to God. Without that kind of prayer, you're still being discipled, you're still being formed, you're still being shaped. It's just unintentional. It just happens all around us. Let me show you a really simple example. Don't laugh at me here. I'm not trying to be super cool or anything, but it is something I saw in the news this week, okay? So Miley Cyrus' new song, Flowers, right? The most streamed Spotify song of all history, these are the key lyrics. I can take myself dancing, yeah, I can hold my own hand, yeah, I can love me better than you can. So it's a breakup song, right? There's a lot of truth to the song. This is a culture that we live in, these are the messages that we're seeing or maybe not you're seeing because you're old like me but young people are seeing and singing, okay? It's the number one song. Now you hear her pain in the song if you read the lyrics, she's gone through a breakup and it's hard. And people suck and relationships are hard and romance is difficult. So yeah, it's better on my own. I can dance myself. I can hold my own hand. I can actually love myself better than you can, ex-boyfriend. Is she talking about Liam Hemsworth in this song? someone help me with that? Okay, she is. Thank you, young people there. Taking a crack at an Aussie, one of our own. Horrible. But there's a better way to live, right? Because this message... This is the kind of messaging we get, the water that we swim in. What sits behind this is a story. It's a story that has no God in it. It's a story that just has human beings living their own lives here on the earth. We weren't created, we weren't put here by God. We have no hope for the future, we'll die and just go into the ether of blackness at the end. There's a lot sitting behind these simple lyrics. So what's at the centre of meaning and purpose in this world is me. Romance will let me down. Marriage will fail. Relying on somebody else won't work out good. No one can give me peace. No one can give me meaning. If I dance, I'm going to dance on my own. If I hold hands, I'm going to hold my own hand. If I'm going to be loved truly loved, truly cared for, truly thought of, truly helped out in hard times, That's gonna happen by loving myself because no one else can do it. No one else will do it and anyone else who tries will mess it up. This is an example of how we are formed and shaped unintentionally through music, through media. A quick scroll through your newsfeed, maybe watching shorts on YouTube or reels on Instagram will show you the messaging of the water that we swim in, of our culture, what's forming us every day. Lifestyles, clothes, bodies, gym workouts, (laughs) extravagant houses, big pools, you know, all this stuff just flashes up. Horrible dancing on TikTok. But the extravagance of life, all the things you should have, the shoes you should wear, the people you should be friends with, it all pops up there on our news feeds all the time. We struggle with the anxiety of missing out or our life not keeping up with the Joneses or our bodies not being up to speed with the bodies of of some influencer, some fitness influencer. Continual entertainment, experiences throwing us, you should be here, you shouldn't miss that, you should know this sporting event, you should understand this news story the things you should have, the money you should have, the money you deserve, the things you should buy with that money, how you should flout those possessions once you have them. It's all pumped to us through our culture. This is the water that we swim in. These are the things that form us and shape us. I want to make it really simple for you today. When you pray, you begin to swim upstream. And there's a way to be formed and shaped. that's not unintentional, not passive, not just withdrawing and sitting on the sidelines because Jesus prayed for his disciples. Don't take them out of the world, God. Why didn't you become a Christian or find Jesus and God just wished you off to heaven? Because he wants you here. But he wants you here growing. He wants you here changing. He wants you here becoming more like Christ. That's intentional spiritual formation. It's where we take, we can jump to the next slide, it's where we take the stories we believe Oh, this is a good quote. Sorry, let's go back to the quote. It's actually a good quote. Dallas Willard, everyone gets a spiritual formation. It's like education. Everyone gets an education. It's just a matter of which one you get. Intentional formation is you choose your school. Do you want the school of Jesus and the word of God? Or do you want the school of culture and what you're being fed? Don't fall into the trap as a follower of Jesus that... Nothing out there affects me, and then I get my little bit of God and that helps me going. No, 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 no. Everything is there. All the noises, competing voices, wanting to shape you, form you, tell you how to think, tell you how to live. Only Jesus can tell you how to live in a way that you can flourish as a human being, flourish as a human, flourish as a family. So what happens is when we pray formation prayers, we come into this other side of the picture here where we're intentional and active about our formation. They don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying perform, I'm not saying try harder, I'm not saying be better, because that's not the message of the gospel. I'm just saying that you can put a little bit of effort in and work with the Holy Spirit. Rather than just being in environments, now you can work with the Holy Spirit who is in every environment, seeking to form you and shaping you. The stories we believe now become teaching exactly what you're doing here this morning as we share the word together and you hear the sermon and you look at the scriptures together, rather than just taking the stories of culture, we actually sit under the teaching of the word of God. When you read the Bible every day, like uh, Alan Rowe here, who put together a daily devotional covering the whole Bible, it teaches us, it forms us, it shapes us. Our community that we live in, be intentional about living in Christian community, being connected to people that are following Jesus with you, shapes you and forms you because you cannot follow Jesus alone. Jesus called 12 disciples. He didn't call one person that was gonna carry on his teaching, he called 12, he called a community. And then finally, we practice. We don't just have habits that come about, that just emerge over time. No, we practice. Practice is different. Practice is where we actually choose to do something. You know, anyone in this room could run, probably most people in this room, could run a marathon if you practiced. You wouldn't be able to run it tomorrow, but most of you in this room, if you put the training in place and you started with a couple of kilometres, you might have to lose some weight, you might have to work on some injuries, but eventually, if you really wanted to, you could probably build up to running a marathon. This is how prayer works. No one's saying tomorrow that you're going to go out there and have the greatest prayer time or be some kind of monastic monk that prays for 17 hours a day. But you can practice and little by little you can find God and he can shape you and he can form you and you can practice prayer. You can practice a little bit more hospitality. You can practice a little bit more financial generosity. You can practice a little bit more silence and solitude and just drawing away with God. You can practice a little bit more fasting. Just fast a meal a day. Fast a day a a week. Fast a day a month. You can just little by little by little practice, practice, practice. These are the spiritual practices that form us and shape us intentionally. And then finally, we come to the prayer of King David. And I want to take communion around this this morning. It's this famous prayer in Psalm 51, David, the King of Israel, where he prays this prayer of self-examination. I really want to encourage you that you can pray this kind of prayer, this kind of prayer of formation, this kind of prayer where you look deep into your heart and deep into your inner life. He cries out in verse 1, get these four first four verses. They're really deep, really quick. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognise my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done evil and I have done what is evil in your sight. He goes on in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Everyone say, clean heart. heart. And renew a loyal spirit within me. Everyone say, loyal spirit. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey. You see the words of David here, this is a great example of a prayer of formation, of discipleship, of spiritual growth. Prayers that change you start with praying around your weakness. Prayers that transform you start with praying around the problems. My sin, my weakness, my heart. My inner life, God, clean me, change me, purify me. We spoke before about the water that we swim in and our lack of awareness around being wet. This prayer of David is chock full of self-awareness. I know I've messed up. I know I'm challenged. I know I get caught in things. I know I get sucked into this world, world that we live in and live like everyone else. I know my life does not look very different to the neighbours in my street, yet I know Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me. This is where formation prayer starts. And then he finally says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And this is what we're going to take communion around today. David cried out, change me God. He knew it wasn't about making big sacrifices. He knew it wasn't about earning God's approval. But he did know that God wanted to work within his heart, deep within his spirit. 1,000 years later, Jesus came to the earth and he was a sacrifice. He was a burnt offering. He was broken in spirit. The prayer that David prayed a 1,000 years earlier is fulfilled in Christ. Jesus was called the son of David. He came not only in the family lineage of David but he also came in the spirit of David he came as the answer to those first four verses I'm a sinner against you only have I sinned Lord God you realize every time we sin every time we do something out of God's righteousness it has cosmic consequences you see, David's reflecting on his adultery with Bathsheba. That's a whole nother story. He's reflecting on his murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. Pretty bad stuff. Broken a couple of commandments there. Used his position as king to be corrupt, to manipulate the system. Yet he's saying against only you have I sinned, Lord God. What about the dead husband and the affair? And Because every sin is bigger than just the person or the situation or even sinning against yourself. Every sin has cosmic consequences. Ultimately, we offend God. And David, sitting there in the Old Testament, a thousand years before the Messiah would come, has this sense of recognition that I need a saviour. I can't pray my problems away. I know it's not a... Going down to the temple and offering another lamb or another bull. I know it's not rending my garments and ripping, you know, I'm putting ash on on my head. I I, I know it's got to be more than these outward actions. I need help in my heart. Clean my heart, oh God. Purify my sin, Lord God. Renew a steadfast, loyal spirit. So I'm loyal to you, Lord God. But I can't do it, I can't work it out. He finishes his prayer with, I need a sacrifice. But I know my sacrifice is just a religious ritual. Jesus came and he was the sacrifice that can clean our hearts once and for all. You don't need to hide away from God and not pray. You don't need to pray religious prayers like you're going down to this temple to sacrifice another bull. You can come to God now, like David, and cry out, clean my heart, God, knowing that Jesus Christ is the sacrifice is the one that can clean your heart, the only one that can wash us clean.